Turn in your New Testaments to Galatians 4, 4, and 5. As we are spending these weeks of Advent uh, in Galatians 4, 4, and 5, I would suggest, I would request that this, these two verses become a memory verse for you and your family. So, uh, you know, by the time January comes, you'll be able to be sitting around your table or uh, maybe if you're a college student, you'll go back to where you live and be able to uh, give this memory verse to, to your parents. And this is what you will say together as a family in the new year. You will say these words, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. When I was in the fourth grade, my parents did something without consultation of me. And uh, I knew it wasn't going to be reversed because they had already put the money down and in my family, if you put the money down, uh, reality followed the money. And uh, they had signed me up for a week of camp at the local Methodist camp about 20 miles out in the country from Quincy, Florida, where I'm from. It was called Centenary Camp. And I want you to know, I did not want to go. I was 10 years old. I liked my house. I liked my life just fine. And I didn't want to go. I pled with them not to send me to Methodist camp. But there I was, riding in the family car, and I knew I was in trouble when we turned off the highway onto a rural road that didn't have any markings. And then we turned off that rural road onto a poorly maintained private road filled with some of the worst potholes that I had ever experienced in my life and I was just being jarred to death on the way to prison and pothole purgatory or wherever I was going. And when we rounded the corner, I looked up and all my worst fears were confirmed. I mean, there it was, Sparta in the pines, right there. And she dropped me off and went back home. And getting settled in confirmed even worse all my fears it was not like home it was extremely rustic it was gritty it was dirty it was drafty the beds were lumpy I don't even want to talk about the pillows row upon row of metal bunk beds rows of sinks on the wall and rows of 10-year-old boys who evidently needed no sleep. And the food? Well, let's just say it wasn't like mama's. When she dropped me off at that Methodist camp, I just cried. Not because I was a Presbyterian. (laughs) Because I didn't want to leave home. I think I wrote the song, Hello, Mudda, Hello, Fada, Here I Am in Camp Granada. And it rained all week. And I thought to myself sometime that week, we paid good money (laughs) for me to leave my home and come to this place. 
didn't want to go to that place. Christmas is about the fact that God wanted to leave home. God wanted to leave heaven and to come down into this fallen and gritty and sinful world. That's what Christmas is about. And, and I'll just go ahead and tell you right now, we have no comparisons for this. Look, I racked my brain this week thinking, okay, how can I illustrate the depths of this? The best thing I come up with is the longest line you can ever imagine is from the throne of God to the manger in Bethlehem. No illustration does it justice because of the extreme infinite categorical differences here. So with that said, let me give it a try, okay? Here it is. You are living in the most palatial hotel you've ever seen. Now, I want you to think about the nicest hotel you've ever seen or you've ever seen on TV or you've ever heard about. And by the way, that just pales infinitely in comparison to heaven. And parenthetically, may I say right now, we're going there to heaven because of Jesus. We're going there. We're checking in one day. Okay. But you're in the most, you're in the best suite in the most palatial hotel, exclusive hotel in all the worlds. And there were our servants, uh, people working at the hotel, attending your, your every need. There is, ladies, unlimited use of the spa. There are white tablecloths and china and beauty. Life is good. All right, you got that? Okay, that was a real pitiful attempt because it doesn't even come close to illustrating this. But then suddenly, you decide to move into, out of that hotel, and move into the most run-down and dangerous slum in all the world. I want you to think about the most run-down slum area, the most dangerous place that you've ever seen. And it is absolute squalor. And it is overrun with rats. And you can't even close the windows because they don't work properly. And the wind is just cold, is just howling through the windows. And you hear gunshots and sirens all night long. It is an awful place. You get inside and one of the first things you see is you've got, there's just obscenities written all over the walls inside of this squalor. Like this fallen world. But I'm going to tell you, there are more obscenities written on the walls of our hearts and on the walls of what's going on here than are on the walls in that, in that slum and in that particular place. It's broken down. It is a drug-infested war zone. It's awful. Oh, did I mention that you have laid down all your wealth before you came, that you emptied yourself of every advantage, and you're not there for a week? You're there for life. That's what Jesus did. And uh, the, the, the transition of the Son of God from the throne of heaven, more glorious, more beautiful, more wonderful, better served, 
to this world is much greater than the transition from the best hotel in the world to the worst slum in the world. When the time had fully come, Galatians 4, 4, God sent His Son. Isn't that amazing? I mean, we're like, Merry Christmas and, and all the parties and all this stuff. And by the way, I'm, I'm up on all that. I love Christmas. So you're not hearing me say, that's all bad and this is good. This is just, this is just the core of it. And all that takes on meaning because of this. God left heaven to come here. In the fullness of time, God sent His Son. But folks, that's not even the most impressive part of this. This gets even more bizarre, even more lavish than that. The, the, the most incredible thing about this was not just that Jesus left heaven to come here. The most incredible thing is that he became one of us. In other words, God didn't just come observe life on earth. God became a man. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son. Here are the words that just stagger the imagination. God sent his son, listen to this, born of a woman. God born? It's amazing. The three times holy God of the universe who dwells in inapproachable light and glory is born into this world. In Isaiah 7 verse 14, the the prophet prophesied this long ago in the Old Testament. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child. That's an interesting thought. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel, which means, tell me what that means. God is with us. And in this case, God is one of us. Now, there is a $10 theological word for this that I'd like for you to know. It is called the incarnation. Carne, the word, means flesh. It is God Almighty taking on flesh. God Almighty being enfleshed. I mean, try to grasp how profound this is. And, and I find myself over and over during the season of Advent going back to the prologue of John's gospel, going back to John 1.1 where it says, In the beginning was the Word, capital W-O-R-D, and the Word, Jesus, was with God, and the Word was God. And everything that was made was made through him. And there's nothing that has been made except that it was made through him. Incredible. But you know what? That's in and of itself. All that does so far is to say that Jesus is God. He's the second person of God. He's always been there with the Father. The the radical part of this is verse 14. And the word became flesh. This is the incarnation. The Word, the second person of God, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw Him, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the one and only sent from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is Christmas. God born of a woman. In Luke 2, 6 and 7, if you want to turn there, it's right 
in the midst of what we call the Christmas story is this moment where Galatians 4.4 happens. While they were there, Joseph had brought his wife Mary, great with child, to the city of his ancestry, which was Bethlehem, to be registered for the census ordered by Caesar Augustus. And while they were there, verse 6 of Luke 2, the time came for the baby to be born. And she, Mary, gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Amazing. Remember what we read about earlier or sung, sung about earlier from, from the, the Annunciation or the angel telling Mary and Kent read about that? Thank you so much, Elder Kent. <laughs> He read about it, that you will be the child, the child will be the Holy One, the Son of the Most High, and that He will reign on His, his Father David's throne forever. I love the third verse of the Christmas hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It's just one of my favorite, I don't know about you, but I love the Christmas carols and the hymns. It's just one of my favorite ones, and we'll sing it in this Advent season, Veiled in Flesh. The Godhead, see. Hail, incarnate deity, pleased as God with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark, the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. This is unfathomable condescension. What's the longest line you can conceive of drawing? It is the line that goes from the throne of God to the manger in Bethlehem in this sinful world and God actually became one of us. Now, I cannot illustrate that in a way that would do any kind of justice to this this idea of the incarnation. So let me give it a try. It would be like you being willing to become a roach knowing that you were going to get stomped to death. That's what it kind of be like. But that did not do any justice because the, the distance, the difference between the glory of God Himself and His creature's image of God notwithstanding is greater than you becoming a roach only to be stomped to death We remember these Old Testament words from the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. This is incredible. The love of God is lavishly giving condescending he would leave heaven to come here he would become one of us yes but we must ask the question why why did God do that there's a real simple answer to that question you ready now this I know will do justice to God 
Because he loves us. That's why. Because he loves us. You know, stories of love, of true love, are without exception stories of sacrifice. And I would, I would ask you in the midst of this Advent season as we are looking at the incarnation, aren't you glad that the greatest sacrifice ever made became the greatest demonstration of love that was ever given for you? Stories of love are about sacrifice. There has never been more sacrifice than God leaving heaven to come here. There's never been more sacrifice than God becoming one of us only to be stumped by His own creatures. Crucified by His own creatures just because He loved them. No no offense, but there's nothing in you or me that drew God down here to the manger. God didn't look out and say, you know, they're so great, they just need a little help. They just need for me to come down and supply what the gap in what's missing for them. That is not the case. God, in a sense, when I say look down upon humanity, I'll tell you what he saw. He saw people in utter rebellion against him. He saw people that in their hearts, they're selfish, and we want to go our own way. And there was nothing inside of us. We don't offer anything to God when we come to know Him except for our sinful hearts and our rebellion. And that's what the manger is about. It is about God's love in spite of us. God's love that is never selfish. God's love that is sacrificial. God's love just because He is determined to love. To come down here and be one of us. As we go to the table this morning, as we remember Jesus standing there or sitting there in a human body saying, this is my body, it is for you. This is my blood, It is for you. Let us just have that awakened sense of wonder of the incredible sacrifice and love and amazing condescension of God becoming a man for our salvation. Let me just repeat Galatians 4, 4, and 5 as we go to the table and, oh, come, let us adore him as we spend time with him at the table. Maybe I'll say it slow. I'll tell you what I'll do. This didn't work in the first service. I, people wouldn't say it with me. So I'm going to give a phrase, and then you give me a phrase, okay? This, this is Christmas in the book of Galatians. But when the time had fully come, say that with me. God sent His Son. And here's today's part. Born of a woman. Born under the law. To redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Amen.